Welcome to MuggleCast, your weekly ride into the Wizarding World fandom. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. Just the trio this week as we're opening up the Muggle mailbag and wrapping up Chamber of Secrets. Uh, Can't wait for that. But before we begin, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Here's a recent review from K.O. Gardner. 36-year-old here who grew up with HP, went to book release parties in costume, and won a prize as Trelawney. I know the books by heart and generally am so grateful to have been part of an utterly undefeated era. Only found MuggleCast about six months ago and have been devoting all driving time since trying to catch up. Love the show and all of you. Thank you for what you do. Aw, thanks, K.O. Gardner. If you love the show, leave a five-star review. And speaking of podcast apps, make sure you're following the show for free in your favorite app so you never miss an episode. You know, guys, I was listening to two episodes ago when you when you wrapped up Chamber of Secrets, and I wasn't on that episode, unfortunately. But I thought, you know, there's been a segment that has been dormant for quite a while, and <laughs> it's worth bringing back now on this episode before we officially wrap up Chamber of Secrets oh, no. called What's Buggin' Micah? Oh, okay. I thought it was okay. Did you want the dueling club instead? What what's <laughs> what is what is bugging Micah? So, you know, I was really hopeful listening through to that episode that Dumbledore's liar count, which started oh at eight lies to begin Chamber of Secrets, would have increased by the end of that episode, but it did not, which means that we have gone an entire book without Dumbledore's lie count going up at all, which I find to be just absolutely absurd, (laughs) especially in the last chapter of Chamber of Secrets, because he is totally a liar. He knows what it is. He knows what the diary is. He is not forthcoming in any way with Harry. This is a guy who dabbled in the Deathly Hallows. He doesn't know what a Horcrux looks like (laughs) when he comes across it. So I think it should have at least gone up by one. So I'm very disappointed, not just in you all, but in myself, that we weren't able to catch this guy more in Chamber of Secrets. We're going to have to do a better job in Prisoner of Azkaban. You know I fought for it. You know I tried. He did. He did. Eric did try to argue for a lie of omission, I believe, was the phrase he used. Well, because, look, it, it doesn't. It doesn't help matters when you have the world's largest Dumbledore apologist as your your host of the show. Ouch. Uh, and your editor. That's real. That's real. <laughs> I would never edit out you guys calling him a liar or no, something. No, 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 no. You're always asking, can we give him the benefit of the doubt? I think the issue with the final chapter of Chamber of Secrets is he's telling a lot of half-truths. He gives Harry... What did you say, Andrew? Like a family-friendly, like a kid-friendly version of your... Yeah, I think that was Laura's point, too. A kid-friendly explanation, which makes sense. But I'm I'm similarly appalled, Micah. Wow. I don't know if you're that bothered, Micah, because your Zoom background this week is Dumbledore and Fox. What's up with that? Yeah, why would you platform a liar like that? (laughs) It's to help reinforce the fact that uh, he did not get his liar count upped in Chamber of Secrets. You think this is the scene where he's lying? And I'm really blocking him out and giving Fox most of the uh, screen time here. Yeah. All right. Well, better luck next book, Micah, I guess. (laughs) Well, he lies about Remus. So that's at least one to start off with. He knows about his condition. We'll get to it. I do look forward. I love that 
uh, segment of the Dumbledore lie count. I'm saddened that we didn't really get a chance, but we uh, in book two, he's barely in it. That, I think that's a factor, too. Can we at least hear the soundbite? Like, we haven't heard it in how many episodes? You want to hear uh, it? Okay. I, I did have it queued up because I thought you might ask this question. Please, Harry, trust me. You liar! Okay? Yeah. <laughs> get your little dopamine hit with that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Shall we get into our Muggle Mail segment, gents? Yes, it's been a while. Okay, well, we, uh, we managed to collect uh, emails from the last couple of months. Uh, and categorize them. The first emails we'll be reading are about our recent review on the last episode of Hogwarts Legacy or about the game itself. First email comes from Abby. She says, hey, y'all, after listening to this week's episode about Hogwarts Legacy, I thought you'd all enjoy hearing that there's now a new mod for the PC version that mutes the flu lady. I haven't tried it myself yet, but saw an article about it online. Congratulations on 600 episodes and thanks for all you do. Well, PC players, you're in luck if you can figure out how to mod your uh, copy of the game. I'm still optimistic they'll release a patch for the game on the consoles so you hear the flu lady and some of the other repetitive comments like about Hogsmeade a little less. Just a little bit. It's so funny because after our episode and that like very valid complaint of yours, I started seeing articles like it's in my Google algorithm now that Ignatia Wildsmith, who's the flu lady in the game, has been ranked worse than Voldemort and people's least favorite characters in the wizarding world. There's literally a. Uh, Is that for real? Yeah, there's well, there's it's a real headline. There's a real um, article that I don't know if it's Kotaku or somebody did where it's a the banner is her. Uh, face with like red glowing red eyes <laughs> people really don't like her because they find her to be very annoying but she's very useful her her flu network comes in clutch in this game because otherwise i mean you could obviously fly you could take a hippogriff but i think most people probably use that flu network more than they would uh, care to admit and uh can you know, just do away with what she says, even if it is repetitive. So yeah, I just ignore it. I find it to be funny that she's so bragging. One thing that I did find interesting, because I still haven't found all of the different uh, spots that you can use the flu network. I mean, obviously they show up on the Me map, neither. but I haven't yeah. been to all of those places. But one of the things that I have found to be really cool is I've now, I'm about 70% through the game now. Uh, so I've caught up to you, or maybe Eric, you're at hundred percent now, who knows, yes. but <laughs> as I'm going around, one of the cool things that I noticed that I didn't initially is that some of these flu network locations are inside of people's houses, in their homes, in different villages. And there's actually green smoke coming up out of the chimney to signal that that is in fact a flu network. I didn't know if you guys caught that too. Oh, no, That's I didn't. so cool. I want to share this TikTok somebody sent me. So <laughs> this speaks to the point that we're talking okay. about. I'll play it. This is a clip from the Order of the Phoenix movie. You can't what are you up to now? I only It's the scene where Harry and Arthur go to the ministry and we see people coming in via flu powder for listeners. <laughs> did the audio come through on that? Yeah. Yeah. It did. Okay, cool. Just check. It was a mess, but I think that was the That's intention. That was so the point. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. 100,000 likes on that video on TikTok. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll just say this. If Ignatia Wildsmith is the worst thing to come out of this game, then I think we'll all take it. I, I agree. 
And one point I wanted to bring up last week uh, that I forgot to was that if you look at the comments on like articles about the game on like social media and whatnot, you see a lot of people who are really, really impressed by this game. I've seen some people call it game of the year. (laughs) That might be a stretch in part because it's very early in the year still. Um, But I have been very surprised by how overwhelmingly positive the feedback is from players and it's good to see but here's another email from aaron anastasia hey guys i've come here only to say just like everyone else i'm playing hogwarts legacy and i don't know if you've keyed into it yet but the soundtrack is phenomenal i'm not sure if i remember the composer's name scott rakazi Maybe it's a team, if I remember. Anyway, whoever did the score needs to be the David Yates of the Harry Potter scores. It's incredible. Such amazing nods to John Williams and all the little nostalgic nuances might have you feeling like I am. Love it, love it, love it. Also, third trial mission equals my favorite ever. Super cool. Would love to hear what you guys think about the story. So yeah, the score is good, first of all. And actually, the Hogwarts Legacy score was just released on streaming platforms in the last week. So if you want to experience it for yourself, there's 34 tracks I'm seeing. You can, whether or not you have the game, you can stream it on your favorite platform. Wow, that would be like playing the game. <laughs> for You know, like I, I spent, you know, X amount of hours uh, per week. And when I'm not playing it, I can listen to the soundtrack, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's very Williams-esque. It took the best, ba- uh, the best, most recognizable uh, beats. Also, a lot of, um, I think, Nicholas Hooper as well. Um, the very recognizable tracks and it just subverts them uh, by a note or two. Uh, but it kind of goes in an interesting direction. It's kind of like understated how good the score is because all you need a score is to like be nostalgic but kind of be in the background there while you do your other stuff but i was never tired of hearing a riff or hearing you know anything play i thought it was all very fitting it's tense when the moments are tense it's calm when the moments are calm so yeah props to that composer and props to the team Yeah, it looks like there's actually multiple composers. I'm looking it up now. Chuck E. Myers C. Really? Scott Rakazi and Peter Murray. Do you know that first guy? Chuck Myers was the Twisted Metal guy from the 90s. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, It may be a different Chuck Myers, but (laughs) maybe, maybe, (laughs) maybe. But yeah, I mean, that he does a lot of like the Twisted Metal scores were like very um, heavy metal and fast paced. So that's some question. Mm -hmm. But is Twisted Metal a video game? Uh, for PlayStation and oh, okay. Well, then that would make sense. Yeah, right. God, some of my favorite. That was the first first game I got on PlayStation. Actually, was uh, Twisted Metal. There definitely is something very peaceful about the music, at least when you're flying. And uh, I agree. Like they did a really great job just making sure that uh, the right music was used in the right moments. And there is definitely those hints of John Williams and other composers from the Harry Potter film series that are woven in. It's like you're almost expecting to hear a little bit of Hedwig's theme and then it doesn't go that direction. So uh, I think that they did a a really, really nice job. Mm -hmm. You do hear Hedwig's theme when you collect the field notes, right? Uh, Yes. Do you? Yeah. When you collect a field note, it goes... Oh. Yeah. Um, And I love, too, is it when you level up, There's it's pretty much the Hedwig's theme, but then there's like a choir of male voices going, oh, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> it feels very like, 
pound the staff and just the mountains in the background. I did look him up. This is the same guy. Twisted Metal, Warhawk, Jackie Myers. What else did he do? Rogue Trip, which was like a Twisted Metal knockoff. Yeah. And a lot of Disney projects lately. So, wow. The same guy who took me all the way back to 1995 beautiful tie-in for Eric. Aaron did also ask about the story. I don't know if we want to get into details there. I'm only like 32%, I think, into the game. Have you seen it? So don't spoil me. You would know Have I seen if what? you've been to Neve's trial. No. Okay. Micah texted me during the week. He's like, how about Neve's trial? Okay. So everybody's into it, huh? Including you guys. Yeah. He and I both, the, the mission that is being talked about right now, to be vague, and the one right before it, are two of my favorite tasks, missions in the game. Oh, cool. I'm excited. I've only done one of the main four trials, I think. Oh. Yeah. I'm still pretty early in the main story. I'm just really trying to take my time. I'm like, let me do this side quest. Let me do that side quest. I uh, this is how I this is how I play every game that I love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did like though how they began to diversify it because I feel like trial one and trial two are very similar in terms of what you need to do. But then once you hit trial three, it's a totally different experience. And trial four, again, I think is something that um, Harry Potter fans will really enjoy. Fantastic Beast fans will really enjoy, actually. Wow. Uh, so okay. it's uh, no spoilers, not going to spoil it. Uh, but I think the story overall is very compelling. And it's something that I know we talked about this on the last episode, but can certainly build upon for future games, right? You're only in your fifth year. You still have year six. You still have year seven. There's potential to start to weave in some Harry Potter canon potentially as as you get a little bit further along. But uh, I will say what continues to just surprise me is all the places that I find within the castle in particular that it was clear that the developers who worked on these games were Harry Potter fans, yeah, there, there's so many things that you can discover that are just they're really like jaw dropping moments. You would never expect them to be in the game. And they're there. Yeah, yeah. I've mentioned this on our discord video game chat channel. But uh, about 10 minutes before clicking on the last quest, I found the kitchens and the kitchens are really close. Oh, yeah. The kitchens. Are I saw really, that a couple of days ago. They're really close. You to tickled the, the pair. They're next to the Hufflepuff common room. So I should have found them immediately. But I, but yeah. again, first of all, you never go back to your common room. There's no reason to actually go back there physically. So I just must have been sleeping on rocks the whole time. But yeah, the <laughs> kitchens are there. And I'm just like, wow, I'm still finding brand new places. And I still fa- I then yeah. found a few after that. So it's just totally nuts. I had the same reaction to the kitchens. Like pre-game release, if somebody said, do you think the Hogwarts kitchens are going to be there? <laughs> I probably would have said no. <laughs> right. It just seems so random, but, they're but there. it speaks to that, like every room in Hogwarts yes. is available to you. Yes. Exactly. Every room you've ever heard mentioned, even if our characters hadn't visited it, if somebody said there was a room, odds are that room is there somewhere. Exactly. And I would say, too, as you progress in the game and you learn kind of those different levels of Alohomora, that most of the professor's classrooms have a lot of secret areas to them once you go into like the back areas of where they would you know do their prep for classwork you could get into like their living quarters but there's also kind of secret areas like one of them led me to the the dark tower 
uh, where Sirius Black yes. is held in future years. And there's actually like a very sly mention on the card that you collect there that's saying like, this was a place that was once used, I think it by the charms professor to house a troll <laughs> for students to do like spells on. I wonder what it will be used for in future years. So yeah. it's just- Sly is the word. Sly is very much the word. But there's a lot Those of cool little stuff. nods. I'll yeah. throw out one more room I saw the other day I was blown away by. Professor Binz's classroom. Yes. Oh my God. The stained glass in that room is beautiful. Did you have a quest in that room? Like No, that... I just, I don't think so. Because I wasn't able to talk to Binz. I haven't been able oh, okay, to. I assume I will at some point. I'm probably still early on. I just happened on the room. Yeah, for me, it didn't come across as a main quest. I was never indicated to go there. But by the time I found the Muggle Studies classroom, there is actually, and I won't spoil it, but it's hilarious. Okay, wait, can I spoil it a little bit? Um, sure. There's part, part, bit. Of, part of the History of Magic lesson, um, Binz is drilling on. It, again, this is like a cutscene. I don't know how I triggered it. You have to like shake your or push R to stay awake in his class. Like you have to, oh, keep, that's funny. You have to keep pushing R. That's another like fans made the game moment yeah because that's what's always referenced in the book students falling asleep in his classroom yeah yeah it's it's really funny but again like that that's an entire class that you're never expected to do it as part of like the main storyline like i i found it after finishing the game um so totally nuts but yeah the only other thing i'll say andrew about you know you taking it kind of slow is things like the broom they're limited by you do need to do like a story mission before you get like you'll notice after you do like one of the main keeper tasks or whatever, you'll all of a sudden have seven owls and they're all from different people going, OK, room of requirement unlocked. Yeah. Room unlocked. You know, all this stuff is like hidden behind the main story beats. And that's the only thing I would say to like you may be missing out on something very cool if you're like holding off on the keeper mission. Just do that and then see mm. what explodes. OK. All right. Uh, our next email comes from Jerry, who says, quick question on your Hogwarts Legacy review discussion. As a person who is dreadful at gaming, I had to get a friend to do the potions creation for me in the original Pottermore because I couldn't do it for one example. And I can never last more than a few seconds killing asteroids or as Pac-Man, which tells you my age since those are the computer games I grew up with. I would love to wander about in Hogwarts Legacy, but no, I could never do the combat type stuff and would just get killed. Could I do enough in the game to get to explore without really gaming? I so want to explore the castle and meet the teachers, swim the lake, and so on. So this is an interesting question, I think. And I would say, yes, you, you can definitely explore the world. I would just be careful about where you go. And I think the key does a good job of showing you where you're going to encounter enemies, particularly as you're roaming about. Now, certainly you're going to face enemies within the storyline, and that's kind of hard to get around. But if you're just kind of walking around Hogwarts or you're walking around Hogsmeade or some of the surrounding areas, I think you generally would be fine. Uh, just stay away from the little red dots that are floating around nearby mm. you. Yeah. And if you do get into trouble, so to speak, you encounter some wolves, for example, you could just either run away, which I do plenty of the time, or you if you if you do try to experiment with battling them, if you die, it's okay. It'll just back you up to right before you encountered those wolves, and then you can just go a different direction. 
So, and also there are difficulty settings you can change. So that should probably help you as well if you do want to play, but maybe not worry so much about like having to level up and whatnot. I wanted to talk about that because, uh, Jerry, I would recommend looking at what story mode it's called looks like uh, on Hogwarts Legacy. That's a difficulty setting. Laura mentioned it last week, but we didn't really say necessarily what it does. Story mode greatly simplifies the gameplay experience. So anytime you're having to like mash buttons and overcome obstacles, also um, collecting beasts and breaking into Alohomora locks uh, are made much simpler. I'm not sure how it does in combat because there are a few missions where you need to do a quite a bit of combat with like spiders and stuff in the early game in order to get things like your broom, which I think are the best like exploration tools. So there might be a few at the start, but I would look up a YouTube video on what story mode does for combat. Um, there's tons of gameplay videos on on there already, as I said last week, but that can give you an indicator uh, as if it will like whether it will help you uh, to get to where you need to go in the game to just be able to kind of free roam. On the point about meeting the teachers, I wouldn't expect that you'll be able to just walk up to them and have a conversation unless it's related to the story. Because I think we all know we'll encounter a professor like as we like happen to walk into a classroom and they're kind of just like standing there. Sometimes mm. you can't have a conversation. So I would just warn you, don't expect you can just have any old random convo with a teacher. Um, but you can just explore most of the castle without advancing the story. I do agree with Eric. Like the broom, as we said last week, is a wonderful experience. And um, it's a great way to explore. But you'll have to progress in the story a little bit a to little get bit. the broom. I will say you can ask each of the professors why they teach their subject, which is kind of neat. Uh, oh, yeah. You're following a class of theirs. If you go up to them and they are just standing there, um, you can you can ask them why they came to the school or, or what got them interested mm -hmm. in their field. And actually, that's been a source of really interesting information to me. There's. Yeah, there's also a lot of different notes that you can pick up along the way, too, that give a lot of cool backstory. Um, some of it's tied into the storyline itself uh, for Hogwarts Legacy, but some of it's also the backstory, too, Eric, similar to what you're talking about. I will say the only thing is you may be restricted in going to certain areas because you haven't progressed in the story. Um, so you may not be able to get into like the restricted section of the library or other places that you know you need to actually move along in the story but yes you can go swim in the great lake there's no um or the black lake there's <laughs> i like how she mentioned swimming in the black lake swimming in the yeah that's uh that's why i got hogwarts legacy you can pony up to the giant squid who's also in the game which i thought was a really nice touch yep Here's a comment from Laura S. who's listening live on our Patreon right now. I suck at video gaming too and play the story mode. Haven't gotten that far, but the combat so far has been super easy just pressing random buttons. <laughs> if you do mess up, the game offers you the option to skip the battle. Oh. So there you go. Okay. So again, that I, it's interesting this is called story mode because that makes me think like you are playing for the story it should be called explore mode because i suck at gaming i don't know it should be yeah it should be called sucko mode or you know just kind <laughs> of no story mode as in like all you get is like the story you don't need to worry about combat action gameplay mechanics etc like 
but it is under difficulty. Like story mode doesn't sound like it would be a difficulty setting, but it is a difficulty setting. And it's below easy. So that's cool when you can miss when you can skip the battle. That's really cool. That's a neat tip. So next email comes from Chelsea. She says, I'm in Gryffindor. Trust me, I don't want to be, but I've taken the test three times. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, I have been Harry Potter obsessed since I was 11. And being an adult fan now with your show makes me feel seen. I feel I found MuggleCast a year ago and have been listening daily playing catch up. Love the show. I know your latest episode was the Hogwarts Legacy Review. I'm super excited to listen to it. I have been loving the game and seeing the fandom blow up even bigger on TikTok with it has been awesome. But it got me thinking about the common room party trend all over TikTok. What do you picture each house party looking like? Just a fun discussion considering three of four houses are repped on the panel. Have you guys seen this trend on TikTok? No. No. I don't know if the three of us are on TikTok much. Not really. Too much. (laughs) Chloe would be disappointed, but... I know. Laura's a big TikTok uh, user, too. I don't know if she's seen this, but I did Google it, and I checked out a couple of videos. The only videos I saw were of Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, and Ravenclaw's getting into the Slytherin common room party. And I guess maybe that was more of the trend, or that's, that's what Google showed me. And... So one Hufflepuff, for example, offered up Gillyweed to get into the party. <laughs> and then in another video, someone off, uh, I think it was like a Gryffindor, they offered up Felix Felicis. Ooh. So it's just kind of like this little joke about how to get into the Slytherin party because the Slytherin party in these videos, it's like a cool dance club like vibe oh, going on yeah, in the Slytherin yeah. common I could room. see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that too. Eric, I think you mentioned this on the last episode, but you can actually see the the exterior of the Slytherin common room if you kind of fly into the right space or swim to the right space. Same with Hufflepuff too. Uh, You can see the little windows. Yeah, it gets called out during the actually initial broom flying uh, that you do. It says, oh, that garden over there, you can see the Hufflepuff common room windows. Now, I think that's something that would be cool for them to open up though. Once maybe you progress through the storyline and beat the game, for you to be able to go into other common rooms because I think it's silly that you'd have to create essentially a new character every time you'd want to, let's say, go to the Slytherin common room or the Gryffindor common room or the Hufflepuff common room. Um, I don't know what a party would look like in Ravenclaw. It'd probably be a lot of board games and maybe <laughs> oh, Butterbeer. Yeah. I love that you said board games. I was going to say <laughs> that for Hufflepuff. I thought y'all would... um just like Eric would be like, hey, you guys want to play Monopoly? And then you're just playing Monopoly for six hours. I love the idea of this tryhard Hufflepuff trying to get into the Slytherin party with like, here I have Gillyweed. I, I, I grew special, you know. <laughs> I think it's really cool, guys. No, no, try it. <laughs> Very fun. But the, the classic joke I always refer back to is that the Hufflepuff common room is where it's at because it's the one we never see in the books. We go into all the other common rooms, but Hufflepuff is like this mysterious, like it's too cool to be included, but it turns out they were just left out. So, And they're next to the kitchen, so you don't have to go far for right. food. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I want to I wanna take back this trend and say, no, Hufflepuff's actually where it's at. That, that will be the one thing I say I'm a little bit disappointed in with the game is that because I did think particularly with one quest that you were going to at least go into the Slytherin common room because you do meet one of your Slytherin 
friends outside of the Slytherin common room, but you never actually go in. And I'll say like his storyline along with his name is Ominous Gaunt, right? Is the other yeah, Ominous. There's there's multiple Slytherins that you become close with in this game, and I think it's probably a missed opportunity. Um, but maybe in a DLC or something in the future, we'll be able to access those common rooms. Well, I wasn't even clear uh, because I was playing as a non-Slytherin. Where all that stuff happens that you're referring to, Micah, is right outside the Slytherin common room. Uh, but if right, so for you, it's normal. <laughs> but if not, no, well, if not a Slytherin, uh, it doesn't play the animation, which if you are a Slytherin and you go to your common room, Andrew, you know, this, the snake comes out of like the wall and like yeah. forms the door and it's really awesome. So I was yeah. doing all this stuff across the hall from that and never knew it was right there until I saw it. And I was <laughs> like, wait, we were next to the entrance this whole time. So it just wasn't even clear. Like it was never an option for us to go in there. Okay, looking at some muggle mail concerning Chamber of Secrets. Our next email comes from Stefan, who says, Hey, Muggle Cast, love the show. I listen to your podcast every week whilst walking through the magical streets of Edinburgh on my commute. I've skipped ahead a bit. Not my fault. My Stephen Fry audiobook has a sneak peek of Prisoner of Azkaban at the end of Chamber of Secrets, so I couldn't resist. But something interesting struck me whilst listening. At the beginning of Prisoner of Azkaban, the Weasleys win a big prize and go to Egypt. But during the Chamber of Secrets Christmas break, Chapter 12, Polyjuice Potion, it said that Fred, George, and Ginny chose to stay at school rather than visit Bill in Egypt with Mr. and Mrs. Weasley. Did Mr. and Mrs. Weasley enjoy two holidays to Egypt that year? This feels like a lavish side to the Weasleys that we don't normally see. What must have happened during that first trip that was so good that they thought, do you know what? Let's go back to Egypt for a month. Forget the lost 24 hours. I want the story of Mr. and Mrs. Weasley's wild holiday in Egypt. Uh, Thanks for all of your good work. That's a funny observation. You know, those are just good parents. They want to spend lots of time with their son over in Egypt. Good for them. Here, you guys know this. You travel more than I do. When you travel, what are the expenses? Uh... A hotel, but I guess if you're staying with Bill, then right. plane tickets. You don't have to pay for that. Uh-huh. Plane tickets seems like, but it's... but they have brooms, or they can. Yeah, seems like <laughs> it's free to flu. You do have to put up with Ignatia. That's the toll. You do have to like hear her say her thing. <laughs> they can apparate. You can apparate. Yeah, presumably. Okay, I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So somebody, you know, a family of the lower income bracket may still be able to enjoy um, long continental cross continental travel. I think it was more so that during the Christmas holiday, they were visiting their son versus at the beginning of Prisoner of Azkaban, they're winning an actual trip where the whole family can enjoy a vacation. I'm honestly mm. surprised. I'm looking forward to talking about this when we start Prisoner of Azkaban chapter by chapter because I'm surprised Mr. Weasley still has a job um, after <laughs> after not alone not only that, but eligible to win this uh, Ministry Scoops prize or whatever it is to to go to Egypt with his family. Yeah. And I guess the only other thing that I would say about this is it's just strange that the same location was used twice. Like if they had won a trip somewhere else at the beginning of Prisoner of Azkaban, then probably would have would have caused less of a flag. But yeah, it it is strange to see them doing this much uh, traveling within a short period of time. And we know 
that generally they don't have the financial means, but assuming that they won the trip, right? Didn't they win they the also trip at won the beginning the of Prisoner of Azkaban? Yeah. So all of their expenses would be covered there. Well, we know it's it's absolutely crucial that they're in Egypt uh, and make the front page paper because that's what Sirius sees and that allows him to break out of Azkaban. So it's more important that they go between books two and three than that they went over the Christmas break. But if I look at it and, you know, Stefan was right to point this out, I would think that when plotting the series, the author would have just been like, okay, maybe looking because we know that one of the things she does very well is is um, peppering in little references to what's to come. So the whole reminding everybody or, or essentially establishing that Bill is in Egypt prior to them uh, actually going there is just standard standard action, like standard normal business as usual for writing. Next email comes from Meg about Gilderoy Lockhart's name origin. They say, speaking to Laura's comment on Gilderoy being a gleaming golden sort of character, to gild something is to decorate something that is not actually gold with a thin, shiny gold sheen. The, quote, gilded age at the end of the 19th century was called this because despite a boom in industrialism and the economy, many people were impoverished. The glamour of this time masked the social problems that were present beneath the surface. Gilderoy, as we know, is a fraud masked in handsome looks and claims of great feats. So an additional meaning to gilded Gilderoy. Good catch. Good catch. Yeah. Cool. And this email is from Jerry. Hi, y'all. As a 65-year-old Hufflepuff, I have been enjoying listening to your chapter-by-chapter discussions, including how your views on details of the books have been influenced by rereading, your own maturing from being youth-slash-teens-slash-kids to now being adults. I have been thinking that I have had a somewhat different evolution on my views since I was already an adult when I first read the books. Some of the problems, security nightmares, I recognized at the time, but assigned to the slots needed by the plot or poetic license or English school story humor. So I am less shocked by them even now than you are. But one issue that has become more shocking to me over time is the dreadful nature of criminal justice in the wizarding world. As shown in the current chapter by chapter, with Hagrid being condemned to Azkaban without trial or evidence. But add to this other miscarriages of justice in the UK wizarding world. Sirius was sent to Azkaban also without trial. Barty Crouch Jr. with minimal trial. And what Umbridge is able to get away with even before Voldemort's takeover. Oh, yes, the Dementor is ready to kiss the soul out of people, including students and prisoner of Azkaban. They have truth potions. Why not find out what really happened? Mm. But with the Fantastic Beast series, we find that the UK may be better than some of the rest of the Wizarding World. <laughs> the US is ready to execute Newton and Tina without a real trial and for no good reason and have the sort of execution often enough to justify the existence of that death pool system and staff. Then the Germans have that awful prison where they send people, also apparently without trial, and even deny that they even have them. And they are killed by sort of random manticore slash glow beetle chance lottery. These make Azkaban look kind slash gentle by comparison. (laughs) Perhaps one of the most disturbing aspects of this world. And on first reading, I just sort of accepted it as a needed plot device, but now I find myself very disturbed. That's a good catch, Jerry. And now I think we'll be keeping an eye out for this and feeling disturbed as well. Yeah. I mean, Grindelwald is in some cases with the Fantastic Beasts, um, American and German sort of prison experience that our characters face. Grindelwald is directly behind the sort of fast tracking of Newton Tina to the 
death pool and also to putting Theseus in the gulag or whatever it's called. So I would say maybe that is overriding some um, what would normally be bureaucratic, uh, you know, sort of procedures. But yeah, I mean, the prison is absolutely horrific and and probably I would agree that it's worse than Azkaban if you can be killed at any moment, although that might be a relief. So, yeah, really love this. uh, Love this message. I would almost say that in some cases, Azkaban could be considered worse than some of these other places just because you're really just deprived of any and all feeling and emotion by the dementors which are you know guarding this prison so um not to say that what we see in new york and what we see in germany is any better uh but i i do think there's systemic wide problems in all places and i, I agree with you eric i think that grinnevald plays a major role in the fantastic beast series uh but that doesn't absolve uh, you know the new york uh, magical community or the german magical community of responsibility uh in all this and culpability in all this but i remember when we had this discussion during chapter by chapter what happens to hagrid in particular mm. And we can obviously talk about Sirius and Barty Crouch as, as we move on in the series. But what happens to Hagrid in particular, I think, is just really it showcases the the bias of the wizarding community at this time, that they look at him as a half giant. So somebody who's easy for them to really take advantage of. Uh, and they're also tying him back to a crime from 50 years prior, which again, there's no solid evidence that he was responsible for, but he was involved. So let's go after the person who's closest to the situation that's still around, that's still on the Hogwarts ground, and we're going to send him to prison with no actual physical evidence that he committed any of these crimes. And so this is just really very disappointing. Yeah. Dumbledore really should have prevented Hagrid from going the second, the, 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 you know, to, in the during Harry's second year. Friends do not let friends go to Azkaban. Uh, <laughs> That's it was shirt, out of his right? control, Albus, though. It well, was out of his control. But Dumbledore knew who opened the chamber both times. And yeah. he, he should have given subsequent evidence of the fact that it was young Tom Riddle um, to the ministry ages ago to clear Hagrid's name, especially once Tom Riddle became Voldemort. Dumbledore could have been like, oh, yeah, so... Um, by the way, Cornelius, uh, this happened. Yeah, it's it's very much though the poster boy situation, right? Mm. Like Hagrid becomes the poster boy for the Chamber of Secrets. Sirius becomes the poster boy for Voldemort. Um, there's other examples of this. Harry becomes the poster boy, right? Yeah. Uh, particularly in Order of the Phoenix and Half Blood Prince. So it, it it just goes to show you that the Ministry in particular looks for somebody that they can hold accountable when they clearly haven't done enough of the the back end work to to even justify convicting them in the first place they just need somebody right we see it it happens plenty uh in in everyday life like they need somebody that they can hang the guilt on and in this case it it happened to be Hagrid yeah that's a good point all right uh our next email comes from Joni who says hey y'all I just listened to episode 596, where you mentioned that the students are doing course selections in chapter 14. Now, this might seem like a random scene, but I think it's actually extremely important to the plot. 
As we know, Hermione signs up for everything uh, and then is later seen reading a book on ancient runes, thus implying she has taken books out from the library on her new subjects for next year. Then later, she has a sudden revelation and runs off to the library to find the page on the basilisk. I think we're supposed to infer that she came across that page while studying up for care of magical creatures, which we know she's planning to take. So if not for the course selection, she would have never come across this crucial piece to solve what was going on. Thanks. Love the show. That's a really good call out, actually. Everything in these books is there for a reason. And I think I said at the time that it just seemed very random, maybe foreshadowing Prisoner of Azkaban. But here's a specific example of how this actually could tie into Chamber of Secrets itself. So I've never noticed that before. Good catch, Joni. Yeah, I thought that was really, really cool. It is funny. It it works on many levels. It's also just a throwaway line because Hermione signed up for everything. You're just like, oh, that's going to be funny. But then, no, literally, she's struggling, you know, to to go to every class. Right. Right. Yeah. It works on so many levels. The next message comes from Julian. Hey, y'alls. So so just (laughs) that one's plural. That's a new one. (laughs) Yeah. Is this I was going to say, is this when we had the contact form still adding? Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. I feel like I got rid of it like four months ago. So I feel that. So this is people are just doing it. Micah, did you only pick emails where people wrote in, hey, y'all manually? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can still select it, right? If you want. Uh, Oh, maybe. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. It's just everybody. People have just caught on. People are astute. Hey, y'alls. So just another theory. It seems like your discussions on the diary seem to focus on it just being a horcrux. I don't think it is. And in Dumbledore's words, Tom Riddle was brilliant, which I don't think was an insult to Ginny. Telling her she was fooled by an idiot would have been much more insulting. I agree. I think the diary was definitely some fantastic magic. First of all, it had to have been made into a pensive of some sorts, a way for Tom to have stored his memories of his 15-year-old self. I really think that this diary might have actually been a precursor to a Horcrux, his first attempt at immortality. Have his memories live on in a book that would live at Hogwarts. But then he learned to make horcruxes, and beyond his wildest dreams, the piece of soul gave his memories a kind of life of its own, the ability to communicate. To have his own ambitions, it may have been a happy accident for Tom, one of his experiments that went his way, but I do think that the diary isn't just a horcrux. It has to be layers of magic to create something truly unique. Thanks for continuing a high standard of awesomeness. Oh, thank you. I think this is a great point. It's more than a horcrux, okay? I want to disagree. It's got a lot going on. I want to disagree oh, a little really? bit. Even though Julian was very complimentary. my be- Only because I feel like I haven't stated my whole take on what makes the diary the diary. Um, the reason that the diary is able to showcase memories and take Harry into memories, etc., is simply because as a horcrux, it is a fragment of a soul. So it's a whole person's soul that's in there. That person has memories that that soul has those memories. So, for instance, so like the fact that it can take it to take Harry into a memory doesn't speak to that. It's a special kind of diary to me. It's just that as a part of a whole person, that is something in memories that it has access to. Does that make sense? So like the predatory nature of it growing in power is very much shared across other Horcruxes. And once it gets more energy from whether Ron is wearing the locket um, and they're taking it in turns or whether Ginny's writing in it, that's all remarkably the same. 
So I think that the unique expression of it being a diary is simply because of what the container is that Riddle chose um, to put in and, and maybe like the writing in it and the ink suck thing is all just maybe minor adjustments. But I think I think most of what it can do is because it is a Horcrux that was contained in a diary, even though what he tells Harry at the end of ch the chamber that I preserved my memories specifically. I think that's his kid friendly way of saying like he's doing to Harry what Dumbledore does to Harry. I think he put a little bit of his soul in you that night, Harry. Um, you know, I think that that was just an oversimplification. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I mean, I really like the way, though, that Julian frames this because I think that it's possible that Tom was working on something before the possibility of a Horcrux came along, right? We know that this diary was purchased Vauxhall Road, right? So it's, it's, it presumably it's your average diary. There's nothing magical about it to begin with. So Tom then makes it that way by beginning to store his memories in it. And I think that he always wanted something that would be able to prove his innocence. And I think that memory that we see that Harry goes into where he basically frames Hagrid was for there to always be something available that shows that Hagrid was the one responsible for what happened 50 years ago. Mm. Now, what happens once he does in fact learn about how to create Horcruxes I think maybe that changes his approach to what the diary ultimately becomes. But I don't think that the intention was always to make it into a Horcrux. Yeah. I I, I tend to see young Tom Riddle as very single-minded. Uh, based on Half-Blood Prince memories, he's asking Slughorn about Horcruxes. And he not only wants to know how to make a Horcrux, he wants to know what will happen if he makes seven. So he's so focused on making seven you know, parts of his soul to encase in things that I really don't think he took the time to make one particular one special. That said, the diary is special. It was the one diary. It was the one Horcrux that was kind of present in somebody's life that was supposed to disrupt things. Um, so the, it is an open question. And I, I don't fully disagree with Julian. I always think that the interactivity nature is secondary just because all the Horcrux, if you are left alone with them enough, will find a way to interact with you. All right. Well, let's move on to this email from Christy. She says, I've been listening to your chapter by chapter podcast and have really enjoyed them. I wanted to agree that, yes, Harry and friends are 12, and that explains a lot of their mistakes and assumptions. But also remember, the entire story is being told from his point of view, and 12-year-olds are still egocentric. So all we know is what Harry knows, and his ability to think outside his perspective is limited. We can safely assume that there is a lot going on in the background that Harry has no idea of. So don't be so quick to dismiss Dumbledore as not doing anything. Just because Harry doesn't know doesn't mean it isn't happening. Did you ever run into a teacher at the grocery store when you were a kid? That shock of not being able to imagine that teacher outside the school, even though logic should tell you that they don't live at the school? When the books start, Harry is just learning about magic. As he grows older, he learns more, and our knowledge of the Wizarding World expands too. So it's safe to say that Dumbledore has a lot going on that Harry is ignorant to. In fact, he tells Harry at one point that he has been watching over him more closely than he could ever imagine. Another thing to remember is that Harry experienced early childhood trauma. He never had anyone, especially adults, to rely on besides himself. So it's completely understandable that he would not think to rely on the adults for help. 
He is learning to share and trust with Ron and Hermione. The fact that he trusts any adults is pretty amazing considering the Dursleys. And in situations like this one and with the dragon egg, he has shown that even Hagrid, who he trusts, has made errors in judgment. Just some thoughts I had while listening. Love your podcast. It gets me thinking. And my kids and I have fun conversations after listening. That's sweet, Christy, that you share the show with your family. And are you a therapist? Because I think this is a very deep email. This, uh, is, this is very good. <laughs> These are excellent points. Well, you of think course. they're excellent points because they vindicate Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But... Going back to the grocery store example, that's a good one. No, but, but, but the grocery. Can you imagine Dumbledore in the grocery store? What would you say? To I him? mean, what would he be buying? Nice avocados, sir. Lemon drops. Oh, I hope he's an avocado fan. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Um, the I think when we talk about Dumbledore, I, I particularly have said like Dumbledore did nothing this year, et cetera, et cetera. Where I'm coming from is a place of if you look at the end result, Harry is still put in mortal peril. At the end of the year, he still has to be the one to go down in the chamber on his own. Ron and he had to figure it out. Like Hermione could have died. There is only one like minor accident that she happens to have solved the basilisk uh, mystery moments before she gets petrified. So the stakes are just so, 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 so high that in saying Dumbledore didn't do anything during the school year, it's because he literally, whatever he is doing behind the scenes outside of Harry's POV still amounts to tremendous danger for everybody. So nothing Dumbledore is doing is preventing enough danger from happening to credit him, I think, with pretty much anything. And the comment about Dumbledore saying, I've watched you more closely than you could ever imagine. That's worse. You see how that's worse, right? That he's still putting Harry in mortal peril despite knowing everything that Harry's up to. He's still like forcing this kid to have so many near death experiences. <laughs> so I am not a Dumbledore fan and I can't wait to raise that lie count. <laughs> I don't know. I found this all very reasonable what Christie brings up. He is egocentric. This is. Uh, you know, he wants to explore. Like I said in the last episode or two epi- episodes ago, he wants to save the day, I think, maybe to prove himself as somebody who is capable of defending himself mm. after after his parents came through for him. I very think early Harry would prefer life. not to be in danger all the time, <laughs> not to be the center of attention. I think it, it's an important point, though, that you raised Eric because it's it's the second straight book where he allows Harry to really go on his own to figure out the big problem that's happening at his school. Like this is Dumbledore's school. He is the headmaster. He is responsible for everything that happens here. And yet now this is two straight years where there's been a major problem and you've relied on an 11-year-old and now a 12-year-old to solve that problem for you. So Yes, I'm in agreement with what Christy is saying in that Harry is only 12, so we're seeing the world through his eyes and his experiences. But at the same time, you have not just Dumbledore, you have plenty of adults who are at the school who are doing absolutely nothing. Like go back to what we experienced when Ron and Harry were hiding in the in the um the cabinet in the staff room. Like that's not really a plan that was devised by McGonagall. That's right. It 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 was really just like let's send Gilderoy off to handle this, and the rest of us, well, we're gonna shut down the school. No, like let's reach out to the ministry. Let's get some aurors here. Let's get some backup 
to the school to figure out what's going on. And and Dumbledore is nowhere to be found. You would think he would have come back much quicker as things escalated, but he chose not to. He chose to just like bow to the whim of Lucius Malfoy and the school governors and allow his school to just fall even deeper into the mess that it became. So that was a choice he made. Yeah. And and he does it two straight years, right? Like he gets a letter to go to the ministry. Like this guy is super smart. He should know that letter was a fraud. Listeners, if you have any recommendations for books in which everyone is helping save the day, please email in with them because Mike and Eric clearly need stories that involve everybody. An entire team of accomplished wizards all working together. Nobody's ineffectual. Nobody's I'm like, just saying yeah. you got to rely on three 12-year-olds to save the day. It's called when Harry Potter of and adults. the Chamber of Secrets, not Harry Potter and Albus Dumbledore and Minerva McConaughey and, and, and the, the Chamber, Chamber of, Secrets. of Secrets. Look, it's in their best interest for students not to be done. Eric, refresh refresh my memory. Who who called Hogwarts a security nightmare? It wasn't me. It wasn't you. Oh, it was Andrew. That's right. Oh. <laughs> it is a security nightmare. It's also Harry's adventure. We know that. We're just having fun. <laughs> Do you? I wonder. <laughs> I'm trying to get in as much Dumbledore. Get us out. Of, I know. I know. As we can. Uh, last email here. It comes from Rin, who says, "Hey, I had a question about Chamber of Secrets. Does Hagrid know at this point that Voldemort is Tom Riddle? You would think that if he did, he would have been able to piece together everything. Also, even if he doesn't, Dumbledore surely did." and would be able to figure out the whole Chamber of Secrets thing before the trio. I know you discussed that not many people knew that Tom and Voldemort were the same person at this time, but I do find it hard to believe that if Dumbledore knew, his right-hand man, Hagrid, wouldn't. Yeah, so when Rin wrote in, they wrote in around mid-February, so we were wrapping up our Chamber of Secrets chapter by chapter. It doesn't seem like Hagrid made the connection at this point that Voldemort is Tom Riddle. And just reading this one passage from the book to Rin's point, quote, very few people know that Lord Voldemort was once called Tom Riddle. I taught him myself 50 years ago. Hardly anyone connected Lord Voldemort with the clever, handsome boy who was once head boy here. So Hagrid surely found out at some point, but... Maybe after everything went down at the end of Chamber of Secrets. Well, Dumbledore owes it to Hagrid to tell him, hey, by the way, <laughs> that Tom Riddle is is now Voldemort. Because the, the the thing about the Chamber of Secrets is how highly it's tied to Salazar Slytherin. And regardless of whether you think Hagrid has a soft spot for beasts, there's no connectable Slytherin angle with Hagrid. He's a Gryffindor and is half-blooded and, you know, all these other things. Voldemort is clearly the descendant of Slytherin. It would have had to have been him. It would have had to have been Tom Riddle the entire time who's even in Slytherin. It never could have been Hagrid. So yeah, by the time 1992 rolls around in year two, this should be a non-issue. It should at least be solved who is doing it. All right, guys. So just like we did for Sorcerer's Stone, we're going to redo one of our seven word summaries from Chamber of Secrets, but which one to do? Here is where our good friend and patron Michael comes in. Michael has, of course, been getting the MogulCast patrons on Facebook to rate each of our seven-word summaries as we go along. 
And to make our job a little easier, we've now collected the top patron-rated seven-word summaries from book two's 18 chapters and also the lowest-rated ones. So do you guys want the good news first or the bad news first? Good news first. Okay. The top three related or top three rated chapter by chapter seven word summaries are as follows. Chapter 11, students get ready for their dueling club. (laughs) Yes, they certainly do. Uh, Chapter 18, Harry accepts Dumbledore's comforting advice on Voldemort. Oh, cue the um, sitcom like, oh, track. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And chapter six. Chaos ensues when Lockhart takes over class. Mm. The lowest rated chapter by chapter seven word summary is surprise spiders, 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 (laughs) vroom, 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 which it just to revisit was the first time we did a chapter by chapter seven word summary that was two, not all four of us going back to back. And actually, Andrew and Micah, this is perfect. You guys I came up with that. Any defense here? Any? Would you like to? Well, it was Micah's idea, so let's hear from him. Yeah, I I still think it's one of our better seven word summaries, honestly. So I'm disappointed <laughs> that our listeners don't agree with us, but uh, I know we have our own rankings below, so we'll get to those in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other two lowest rated chapter two surprises await Harry in his bedroom tonight. <laughs> Well, what's wrong with that? I don't know what's wrong. That with one's you. actually pretty good too. Sorry, I, that was from uh, Dobby showing up in his bedroom. Yeah, it's, it's just that uh, I think they've all been so good of such a high caliber that occasionally. Uh, so what I did, I figured you have out, to have three that are at the bottom, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, so we should all feel very like pat yourselves on the back, guys. Um, you know, these still rated some outstandings, and the lowest, uh, other lowest rated one is the uh, chapter five. The tree captures the Ford toughly. Rawr. Okay, that one I can see. I'm seeing a lot of Ford Anglia hate in these wow. bottom three. Okay. I think it's because that one ended with Rawr. Did uh, we get a bad Yeah, the tree doesn't there. really say Rawr. That's true. So here's something that's interesting. Eric mentioned that one of the top rated ones by listeners was students get ready for their dueling club. However... Micah, Laura, Eric, and I all voted ourselves in our list privately, and students get ready for their dueling club was actually the one amongst the four of us that got the most votes. I, Micah, and Laura all said we need to redo that one. That's the only one that got three votes yeah. from the panel here. And I'll throw my vote in it. I think it's it's very... Oh, you will? Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it's serviceable. So it's unanimous now. But so much else happens in that chapter. You know, so much else happens during chapter 11, The Dueling Club, that it's a kind of unimaginative seven-word summary. So what happens in this chapter? Let's refresh ourselves. Because Are we going to redo this one, it sounds like? I think we should redo Spiders, 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 Vroom, Vroom, Vroom. <laughs> but you're the only one who thinks so. Well, no, you and the I listeners. Know, I, no, no, no. Me and all the patrons, too, that have voted against right. it. But, uh, all right. Then that, we'll redo that one if, that, okay. if that's what we feel strongly about. All right. not here, so. So we do what What order do we do in? Because I'll, I'll jump in, too. I'm not going to make you two come up with a better one. I'm going to ensure it is a better one by being <laughs> three. <laughs> Okay, so that chapter was Aragog? chapter 15. Yeah. yeah. 
I feel like it's not a bad one because it was pre-planned. It was like a different. It was just a yeah, joke. It was a different take. People don't like different. It's fine. No, I, I'll I'll throw my hat in and go. I'm actually deeply endeared to spiders, 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 vroom, vroom, vroom. I think it's one of the funniest and one of the best ones we've ever done. Because honestly, not a lot happens in that chapter. Right. And I think spiders and vroom like do a pretty good job of uh, encapsulating it. So Okay. Well, let's let's give it a shot. I'm curious to see what happens when we're actually trying to describe the chapter with more than two words. Don't you dare start this off with spiders or vroom. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Should we pledge to not use either of those words? Ooh. No. Oh. <laughs> you, Mike is like, you cannot possibly describe this chapter without spiders. Uh, well, you could use Aragog, maybe. You could use arachnids. Or, I don't know. That's a neat hack. You could start it with spiders. I think that's fine. Please don't. Please don't start with. But you can say the spiders. Don't. Start I don't want to start with the. That's such a weak. Start, well, word. okay. So we're redoing chapter fifteen of Chamber of Secrets, Aragog. Here we go. Let's do it. Fang. Whoa. Um. AIDS. Boys. Who. Are. Discovering arachnids. Yeah! <laughs> there you go, everybody. All right. We remade a worst seven word summary. That's terrible. <laughs> That's actually bad. <laughs> I was just shocked by you starting it with Fang of all people. I love it. It's inventive. It's well, I was going to start with spiders, but <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> I like this because we've, we've pledged to redo. One seven word summary every book, but we didn't say that it has to be better than the one it replaces. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, that one was apparently so bad that oh. the bar was very low. Yeah, that's a fine one. I have no qualms with with this new one. Yeah, only only to to get into the nitty gritty here for that the original chapter fifteen spider 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 spiders room 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 only twenty two percent of the people gave it the highest grade. Uh, and oh. so that was why it is, in fact, the lowest rated, because all of the other seven word summaries that we did have a minimum of at least 38 percent, giving it the, the highest grade. So, yeah, I don't okay. know. I like it. I like it but, different, but I also F like Fang doesn't really do anything. He just kind of runs around scared. I hope he pees but, uh, because nobody's let him does. out. You know, he does this, in this chapter. This he does. Time. Yeah. Beautiful. Amazing. Right. It's noted oh, in the text. Very nice. It, it is actually. So yeah, that's cool. Well, on that note, it's time for some chicken soup for the Muggle cast soul. And this one comes from Sarah, who says, this is truly a full circle fan moment. And I apologize for the length. I'm 32 years old and vividly remember listening to the very first episode of Muggle cast as a freshman in high school. I discovered you guys through a close Harry Potter friend, and we would giddily download the episodes and listen to them together on our bus rides home. I remember the Deathly Hallows discussions, movie premieres, your interview with Warwick, all of it. Fast forward to today, I'm a mom of two kids, and my oldest, a bright eight-year-old boy, recently finished reading Deathly Hallows and is now on his second read-through of the series. He was Harry for Halloween, and his birthday party last weekend was, of course, Harry Potter-themed. The best part of all of this is not only sharing my favorite story of all time with him, but also sharing my favorite podcast. 
Admittedly, I hadn't listened for years, but with his newfound obsession, I turned it on for him about two months ago. Now, every time we're in the car, he immediately requests the MuggleCast chapter-by-chapter episodes. We're still making our way through Sorcerer's Stone, but he loves hearing your analysis. His favorite part is the seven-word summary, and he tries to guess. <laughs> and he tries to guess what your words will be. How's that working out? <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, I write all this to say a huge thank you for providing such amazing content for fans like me and my son. I can't believe I'm here almost 20 years later listening to the same podcast, but with my own kid. It's wild. You all have created something so special, and we appreciate you so much. All our love from Sarah and Eli. That's an amazing email. Thank you, Sarah and Eli. Just yeah. thinking about... Hi, Eli. Just thinking about... I hope Eli, you're satisfied. I hope you're satisfied with our say, new. <laughs> good luck. Good luck guessing the words for that. <laughs> this is amazing. We were all that same place, um, either fresh out of high school. Yeah. Um, or so when we. I think I was a sophomore in high school when we started. Yeah. Junior the show. Uh, me. But uh, but yeah, it it really just the idea that you can have your own kid who's old enough and loves Harry Potter and is listening along with like, Wow. That's crazy. We did joke that one day, like 20 years from now, all of our kids could do an episode of MuggleCast where we get them all together. And <laughs> it just and none of us currently have children. No, and no, no, no. I don't. So, I, I have a feeling it might be a while. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. But 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 it would be like MuggleCast the next generation. And it would be very, very, very funny um, yeah, to do. But yeah. no, this is really super cool, Sarah. Thank you for it. Is. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, next week, Eli, good news. Prisoner of Azkaban chapter by chapter begins. We actually did our original chapter by chapter for Prisoner of Azkaban back in February 2010. So it's been 13 years since we've gone through this book chapter by chapter. And by the way, we're probably going to stick with one chapter of analysis per episode. We found when we were wrapping up Chamber of Secrets that the additional breathing room to focus on one chapter was preferable to doing two chapters per episode. So just to give everybody a heads up in terms of how much reading you might want to do each week, we're probably just going to stick with one chapter per week. If you have any feedback about today's episode or the chapters ahead, send an owl to mugglecast at gmail.com or use the contact form on mugglecast.com. You can also send a voice message. Just record it using the voice memo app on your phone and then email us that file. Or you can use our phone number, which is 19203Muggle. That's 19203684453. We did listen to some voicemails in preparation for this Muggle mail. We got some really good ones. Maybe we'll get to those in the future. One of them was kind of a spoiler for Hogwarts Legacy, so we decided not to include that. But it's nice hearing your voices as well. So please keep those coming. We've been getting mainly traditional phone calls. We highly encourage recording using the Voice Memo app on your phone and emailing us that file because it just sounds better than the old school telephone. And now it's time for some quizage. This week's question looks forward to our beginning of Prisoner of Azkaban. What witch allowed herself to be caught and burned at the stake multiple times? The correct answer was Wendelin the Weird. And boy, we got a lot of correct answers. Those who sent in the right answers include 
Armandine, the French Hufflepuff, Bill, Indiana Jones, Weasley, Buff Daddy, Kelly Loves Quizich, Dudley Dursley, Dutch Hufflepuff, Elizabeth, Grace, Granger Brains, Hagrid is a Chicken Tender, Michael H., Mild Doormat Lover, Pleasant Tickling Sensation, Please Read This, My Brother Josh is Listening in Chicago, Quoth the Ravenclaw, <laughs> Hi, Hi, Brother Josh, Slytherin Shell, The Chosen Taco, The Sorting Hat, a.k.a. The Hogwarts Therapist, Where in the World is Kevin Steck? Made an appearance. Oh, well, he was on episode, episode 600. 600. Yeah. You're a quizard, Harry. And somebody who named themselves, what does Hermione say if you're from Texas and pronounce it Wugardium Leverursor? Oh, all righty. Okay. Well, anyway, um, next week's question also looks ahead to Prisoner of Azkaban. How long did Harry go without hearing from his friends? Until his 13th birthday. Submit your answer to us on the Quizich form on the MuggleCast website or go to MuggleCast.com slash Quizich. You can find the form from the top drop down on our site. All right. And don't forget, there is much more MuggleCast waiting for you over on Patreon. You can pledge now at patreon.com slash MuggleCast to receive instant access to bonus MuggleCast installments. We just uh, did our final bonus muggle cast <laughs> for the month of February, <laughs> maybe ever. Uh, but for now, we'll say it was for the month of February and uh, we really enjoyed um, doing some adult <laughs> Harry Potter pickup lines and reading an adult fan fiction. This was all in the spirit of Valentine's Day. We do this usually once a year. It's a lot of fun and everybody enjoyed it. And it Truly. includes an appearance from Kevin Steck for those who are asking uh, where he is. We made him read Dirty Harry Potter fan fiction, <laughs> and now he's probably never coming back to the show again. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but you also get other great benefits like full access to our recording studio. You can join our Facebook group. And each year you can receive a physical gift just like last year's MuggleCast one. I know we are hard at work figuring out what the 2023 physical gift is going to be, but it will definitely be something I know that our patrons enjoy. It's going to be a little bust of Ignatia Wildsmith. <laughs> it's motion activated so you walk by it and it just talks to you wait can we actually and i'll record her lines <laughs> yeah <laughs> sounds good actually that sounds great let's do that um, yeah that's gonna be great. good to see you my friend <laughs> oh my young friend it's such a compliment good to see you my young friend and just a heads up to apple podcast users for just $2.99 a month, you can now receive ad-free MuggleCast and early access to each new episode of the show right within the apple podcast app by subscribing to the show, you're supporting us just like our patrons do. Of course, you can pledge to our Patreon to receive many more benefits, but if you'd prefer to support us through Apple, we'll hook you up with no more advertising and you'll each get episodes of MuggleCast on Mondays instead of Tuesdays. Just tap into the show and you'll see the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We're MuggleCast on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. See you all next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.